Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning, and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are here to promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and always, every time we get on the air, it is our goal, is our obligation, it is our responsibility to empower you, our listeners, to knowing and empowering the world around you. That's what we hope to do. That's what we strive to do. What we are to do every time. And as always, you join us on this journey. As you do it, the first primary way is by calling. If you want to get your voice, your voice, your thoughts, ideas, commentary live on the air, you can do so. Three four seven two three seven five two three zero. That is the number to call to get your. Uh, Commentary live on the air. Also, the chat room is open. You can go to blogtalkradio.com uh, and get in there on the chat room. Uh, go to our Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. Go there and also uh, click on the link to today's show and you can listen live and uh, join in there. Share your commentary on the Facebook page also. And follow us on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, the show's handle is at Zero Radio, and my personal handle is at Prophesy. And uh, of course, in there, the social media outlet we are on. We're excited that you are here to join us. We have a wonderful show. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Pentecostal movement and its effects on the contemporary church. How has the, the Pentecostal movement? impacted, affected, or changed, in so many words, in the contemporary church. And you probably are not aware of it as as much as you think. But we're going to be talking about that. There's so many other headlines we're going to get into in a little bit. But before we go any further, let us go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, for your loving kindness. We ask, oh God, that you forgive us of our sins, cleanse from all unrighteousness, that the words of our mouth, and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, happy May. Uh, uh, last week we were attempting, we weren't able to do a show last week. We had some major technical difficulties that did not allow us to broadcast. And we were going to talk about uh, a new show announcement that came up. Uh, if you were following Fox News, you saw where Fox, not Fox News, <laughs> Fox. The, the the television station, not the news station, uh, but the television announced that they would be having a new show called The Preachers, and I was going to talk about that last week, and I did not get a chance to do so, so I might talk a little bit about that today, um, 
if we have time, well, might as well go ahead and talk about it now. Um, uh, it's a daytime talk show. Of course, you know, a couple of years ago, they lost, they launched uh, a competitive talk show called The Real that was basically uh, channeling the market away from The View. uh, And what's the other one? The Talk on uh, whatever station. I I just, uh, it's The Talk, there's The View, there's The Real, and now there's The Preachers. And it features four preachers, um, very uh, interfaith, uh, all African, all black, all male, and prominent two prominent preachers, E. Dewey Smith, uh, Dr. E. Dewey Smith, who's pastor of uh, uh, Travelers Rest or Greater Travelers Rest or the House of Hope in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, that that area, and of course the Reverend Dr. Jamal Bryant. Uh, who's the pastor of the Empowerment Temple African Methodist Episcopal Church in Baltimore. And uh, what's the other guy? Pastor in North Carolina. I can't think of his name. Uh, not that he's insignificant. I, the other two, uh, one is a, a associate pastor at Lakewood Church with under Joel Osteen, and the other one is in a pastor's of church in North Carolina. But anyway, these men, uh, they were... Uh, They are together on the show to provide, uh, I guess, the alternative insight into uh, contemporary issues and whatever. You know, it's a talk show from the man's perspective uh, with the inspirational uh, tip or how – I don't know. Anyway – and so it's a lot of stuff that plays in that. And my what I was going to discuss was is preaching becoming too mainstream, and with the idea that you know now preaching is popular, it's part of the mainstream. Uh, it's part of the mainstream entertainment. You had preachers of LA, you had the preachers of Detroit, you have the preachers of, of Atlanta, you had preachers' daughters, you have uh, prophesy or whatever that show was uh, or preach uh, the one that was on Lifetime that got canceled after the first episode you have um, several preachers families on television um, uh, and, and, you know on, on and these are on network uh, cable network shows and that's why I asked the question you know you have these these major uh, cable networks uh, diversifying their audience and bringing in perhaps people that were already, you know, mostly female uh, audiences, but now they're bringing in, you know, things that, that, that attract and these, these are relational to these, this particular audience. Now, some were saying this has been tried and this is going on. You know, you have the major Christian uh, television networks that always have always had their balanced counterpart to the daytime talk show. Uh, you know, uh, CBN has the 700 Club. Um, Daystar has something. Uh, uh, Word Network has shows. And uh, what's other? Uh, all of them have some form Christian talk show format. Day day talks daytime talk show format. Now these shows uh, have always largely been relegated to the, the Christian audience. Uh, but now they're breaking out, and and it's becoming it's becoming more of a, a good trend. And you think about how even gospel music is becoming more of a trend. Uh, with um, what's the guy that rap, Chance the Rapper? Is that his name? I think Chance the Rapper has. Uh, he was on one of those shows, one of those nighttime shows, where he um. Jimmy Fallon, the Tonight, yeah, the Tonight Show, where he performed his new show, his new song "Blessing," and had um, gospel artists on there. Byron Cage, who came, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I saw the video, and I was like, okay, man, don't ever do that again. Don't ever try to be cool. <laughs> I love, I love him with all my heart, but don't try to be cool. But we're seeing this trend of the outs. The outsprings becoming mainstream, you know, and the outline things becoming more normative. The question is, is always 
men should it be normative. You know, Christians were never intended to be, Christianity was never intended to be normative. We weren't supposed to be a part of the world, but now the world is embracing facets of it. Yeah. So if you want to talk about that, that's fine. I'd, I'd love to hear your, your discussion about that since I didn't get a chance to talk about that on the last show. I'm for it, and I said this on my Facebook post. I said if I had been approached to probably do the show, I, I really would have taken it. I, I wouldn't have denied it. I, you know, I'm not too holy to <laughs> get my name out there, and I do realize that the more fame you get, the more temptation comes with that or whatever. I think Pastor Ma- Jamal O'Brien is learning that uh, with some recent rumors that have come out about that. I'm not going to talk about it, uh, but you'll probably be hearing about that anyway sooner than later. You may have already heard. I don't know. Just pray for the brother. Pray for the brother. Uh, but anyway, um, so I think it's a good idea. I think it's it's good to have black men, especially black preachers, sharing uh, their insights into contemporary uh, issues and uh, stories of the day. Now, the question that was given to me is like, why weren't any women approached to be on the the show and I, and I thought about that and I jokingly said this, but I, I meant it seriously at the same time. I think people believe that black women, in particular, are more likely to receive uh, stuff from black men, particularly black preachers. They're more relative, uh, more receptive to that than I think about how well T.D. Jakes' ministry uh, flourished after. Preaching a sermon, woman, thou art loose. I mean, that is what basically just uh, propelled him <laughs> forward. That that book, woman, thou art loose, and then the book turned into the play, and then the play turned into the movie, and then with that, he released the songs, uh, the, the CD album, which I had. I loved that man. That was <laughs> I love the sad sweet slide on it. Anyway, yeah, don't laugh at me. If you listen to it, you like it too. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you know when 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 Jake's put that message out there, it catapulted him with his women audience. You know that that has been the one of the uh, bulwarks of his ministry. That message, that theme, and that ministry to women. And when you think about population of the black church you think about it being you know dominated by women and so and these women support these men and women of god but mostly men of god they they support them uh without shame and, <laughs> and they will put, support them and listen to them. i mean i hear the horror stories of women who prefer their their pastors over their husbands and it's sad to say but you know they live vicariously through their pastor. They love vicariously. They have romantic expressions vicariously through their pastor. It's the way of the world. You know, I don't know how to explain it. But I, 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 the show airs later on in the summer. I don't know how many episodes are scheduled. They bought. Uh, I'm looking forward to the show. I want to see the dynamic of the brothers because uh, I, I excuse me they released a a a clip uh, what they call it a preview premiere or, or whatever they call it promo of the show and you got to see the dynamics of within the group uh, and it's an interesting balance anytime preachers are <laughs> is always is always going to be interesting. Whenever you have a group of preachers, black men, preachers, it's always going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, but anyway, if you think it should be on the air, let me know. If you think it should not be on the air, let me know. I'd love to hear from you about that. I love, I love to think, you know, how do you think it would benefit the church, the black church in particular? And for those of you saying, well, there's only one church. Well, the black church is very distinctive. So, yeah. I do. I love to. Do you think it has sustaining power? Do you think it would go longer than one, one season? What would the season look like? What would it consist of? Uh, what about the scandals that made, you know, for some of his hosts? 
that may, you know, what that caused or affected. You know, that's just something to ponder. Just under the ponder. But anyway, I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to get into this uh, Pentecostal movement. And I, I, you know, I thought I knew what I knew about the Pentecostal movement on the Discover, some things that I was not aware of. And it's really, really fascinating. Really, really fascinating. The Pentecostal movement has affected uh, the contemporary church. So I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. <laughs> close to Father's Day. You may have missed Mother's Day, but instead of getting your dad a tie or shirt or cufflinks, how about getting him something fancy? How about getting him some fancy fancy chocolate-covered strawberries from Sherry's Berries? Matter of fact, why don't you go all out to Bible Park? Don't just get him strawberries. Get him a big, fat cookie to go with it. Don't, Don't even stop there. Get him a cake. Get them those Cocoa Pops, you know, Cupcake Pop balls, whatever. I'm telling you, you can find so much stuff to get your dad for Father's Day on Sherry's Berries. I, 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 you know, mothers expect flowers. They expect all that fancy stuff. But dads don't. Catch them off guard. Go to Sherry's Berries and explore all the things that they have. Right now, you can get a nice discount if you go there and look at all the things that they have to offer for your dad. And they do have... Baseball stuff, they have football stuff, they have all kinds of stuff that your dad would love, but don't forget the chocolate covered strawberries. You're gonna love it. Go to Sherry Berries simply by going to www.berries.com. Click on the radio, you might get a nice discount if you put in this show. But I guarantee you, it's something different that your dad would love. www.berries.com. Be different, dare to be different. And get your dad something great this Father's Day. At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Talk to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, da, da, bum, 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 bum. With the Name Your Price tool, you tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flowbot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. Pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh, Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. Hey, pastors, have you ever wondered how you can make your Bible study, small group, or even sermons more interactive? Yeah, I thought about that, and I found plenty of things that could be used to do that. But a few weeks ago, I stumbled across this great website that just blew my mind, and it's called mogochurch.com. Mogochurch is the place for creative Bible studies, creative studies for individuals and small groups. Let me tell you a little bit about Church. It's simple. All you do is you set up your account, you put in your sermon, and you make it interactive by creating questions, by creating things of that nature, study guides, all of that you can do. Your members get to log in, and they get to create their own notebook, journal, study guide, however they want to do it. They get to create it, and it's completely interactive, and it's free. You sign up for free. You don't pay a dime until you desire 
to go a little bit further. And even then, if you want to expand your ministry and expand it, the, the catalog, what you offer, you can do so by, you know, small monthly price. It's not much at all. I started on this a few weeks ago, and I tell you, I've had fun with it. And I've had the opportunity to speak with one of the founders of the site, and he and I had a great conversation. And I'm telling you, Mogo Church is for you. If you're a pastor, if you're busy, and most people, you know, you don't have the tapes, you don't have the CD minutes, you don't have all that, but you do have access to Wi-Fi, you do have access to a computer, put this, put your stuff on mogulchurch.com, and you'll be glad that you did. And simply, recommend, I recommend that you go do that. Go to mogulchurch.com, visit the site, get familiar with it, see the testimonials, and create your own site. Upload your own material, and watch how well a ministry will be for you. I guarantee you, I'm endorsing this site. I like it. I, I love it. You should love it, too. You will love it when you get to it. That's mogulchurch.com, and I'm telling you this. It's for church leaders, and you're going to have a great time. Go there and visit. you enjoy it. All right, welcome back to Zero Again, Zero Today. Again, I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And like I said before, guys, there's so many opportunities out there to help your ministry, help your 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 church grow, and be empowered. And I mentioned two of them. I strongly endorse uh, one of them. <laughs> I strongly endorse Mobile Church. Go out there and get it. You'll be glad that you did. So let's talk about the Pentecostal Church movement. Pentecost is Sunday. We observe Pentecost Sunday this coming up Sunday, May the 15th, and it'll be observed in various ways. Some folk will go all out. Some folk will not go all out. Some it will be just another Sunday. Uh, But for the most part, those who like to shout, those who are spirit-filled, those who are due with power from on high show appreciation for Pentecost. Pentecost, according to scripture, is the day that the spirit fell on the church. If you read the account in Acts chapter 2, that on that day, they were all praying, about 120 persons gathered in the upper room praying. And that one moment while they were praying, the Spirit of God ascended, descended in that place, and tongues of fire appeared over their heads, according to the narrative. And they were endued with power. Jesus had prophesied 10 days prior to his ascension. The 10 days prior to this event, it was he, as he was about to ascend into heaven, he prophesied that they were going to be filled with power prophesied. He didn't say exactly what would happen, but they spoke with tongues and it was seemingly disorderly and unruly that even the people outside was wondering whether they were drunk. And Peter finally got the boldness to stand up and say, no, these folk are not drunk. It's too early in the morning. But this is the fulfillment of the prophecy that God gave to Joel on this day. Your sons and your daughters prophesy because the spirit of the Lord will be poured out upon all flesh. Young men shall see visions. Your old man shall dream dreams. This is what was prophesied and this is what's happening. And everybody heard and some were confused and Peter had to expound said this is the result of what you all did not realize that you had done when you crucified Jesus of Nazareth. It's because of what you all did that you're seeing what you see now. Because not only was he risen from the dead, but he ascended to heaven. And he told us that this would happen and this is happening. And if you believe 
repent and be baptized in his name, you should, you too can also receive this glorious gift. And on that day, according to the scripture, 3,000 souls were added to what we now call the church. Such a phenomenal experience in that day in history that has transformed the church. And believe it or not, that transformation is still happening. It, Pentecostalism is the fastest growing division of Christianity. It's the fastest growing sect of Christianity. The fastest growing means of grace in Christian in all Christendom. And you're seeing that growth not in America only. You're seeing it in places like the Philippines. You're seeing it in places like uh, South and Central America. You're seeing it in various countries in Africa. It's an amazing, amazing event. Um, It's fascinating when you look at it historically. So, you know, being the nerd and geek that I am, I, most people, when they think about Pentecost, a Pentecostal movement, they think about the Azusa Street Revival that began in 1906 under uh, the Reverend William Seymour, who was a black preacher who, uh, in the early 1900, I want to say in 1904, 1905, somewhere in there, uh, went to this... Uh, Bible school that was hosted by another guy. Um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Parham. Charles Parham. Charles Parham uh, followed in the footsteps of some other holiness preachers. And anyway, William Seymour was the lead minister at the Azusa Street Mission. And it is said that in April of 1906 that this revival began to break forth and re- at this street mission that was an old African Methodist Episcopal Church. Anyway, so they were having church seven days a week, at least twice, three times a day. And people were being, you were, you were seeing different things happening and that is the lead off of what is known now as the modern Pentecostal or apostolic movement. And it's interesting because, you know, you have apostolic, and then you have Pentecostal, and then you have Pentecostal apostolic, and you have holiness, and and all of these separate movements grew out of uh, the revivalist movement of the late 19th century. Basically, the holiness movement that grew out of the Wesley the Wesleyan Church, the Methodist Church, the Salvation Army, and the Second Great Awakening revival that took place in the 19th century, in the 1800s. He had this burst of spiritual activity in the church. But you'd be surprised that the what we know as the modern Pentecostal movement actually goes further back. And yes, while we trace it all the way back to Acts chapter 2, in the modern time, as early as the first, as early as the 1800s, 18, you know, early 1800s, there were people and churches that were experiencing what we now know as Pentecost charismata, or the, the dispersing or the dispensation of spiritual gifts. Or Glacelia speaking in tongues. Uh, so there was this one preacher um, as early as 1800 who, uh, John Alexander Bowie, who was a Presbyterian preacher who was seeking, like John Wesley, more. He knew there had to be more. And he read the account in, in Acts chapter 2 and desired that movement to occur in the States. And uh, he was a pastor in um, in Florida, I believe, somewhere in the South. No, I lie. Not in the South. Yeah. No. Uh, let me find it. Hold up. See, this is why I got trying to go 
from <laughs> from memory. Let me let me find this stuff out here. You know, let me go back and research. Uh, England. So England, the move, and it's funny. The roots of the Pentecostal movement began in Europe, in the modern Pentecostal movement, in, in London and areas of that nature. And now, largely, Europe is agnostic at best, most of it. You know, you have a lot of atheists, you have a lot of unbelievers, you have a lot of, un, ag, you have a lot of agnostics in Europe now. It's just ironic. Anyway, that's not a here nor there. So... As early back as the beginning of the 19th century, you had people seeking this. And uh, Bowie's uh, Dowie's church eventually um, gave birth to what was called the Catholic Apostolic Church. And the Catholic Apostolic Church basically attempted to restore what we now know as a five-fold ministry, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, uh, pastors. I think I got it right. Anyway, so and we see the works of that now in the contemporary church. Now, what makes this really interesting is that the Pentecostal movement at one time you know, was shunned because it, most of the leaders, most of the most of those engaged in it at the latter part of the 19th century and the early part of the 20th century, they weren't really trained preachers. They were lay persons who experienced this supernatural thing, who went on to start some very formative movements early on. And you know, uh, if you go through and you look under the umbrella of the Wesley. Wesleyan tradition, you'll find uh, the holiness movement and the various branches of the holiness movement that later evolved into what is now the Pentecostal church, the apostolic church, and everything therein. Everything under that, you know, and it deeply impacted the modern church in ways that we could never really, really think about. We really never thought it would. Because I grew up, you know, they used to call the Pentecostal church that sanctified church. And those were the, you know, the house churches that were converted to, <laughs> you know, houses that were converted to churches and folk would come and they would shout, 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 shout all night and, you know, you, you know, they were the folks who didn't look right. They never dressed the same because they embraced some very ultra fundamental and ultra conservative beliefs uh, regarding dress. You know, they pushed the idea that uh, no makeup, long dresses, and, you know, moderation. And in regards to temperance, they were some of the ones who were staunch promoters and uh, participants of the temperance movement against alcohol, against drugs, and against sex. And also, they were proponents of abolition. You know, a lot of them, uh, abolitionists, they were staunch opposers of, of Jim Crow. But in some ways, they were also apolitical. They were not necessarily political because there were some branches who believed that they were going to be taken out of here by the rapture anytime soon. <laughs> so they did not get, you know, they tried, there were those who were really trying to disconnect themselves from the world. And then there were branches that were like trying to engage the world. So let's explore this. You have the Pentecostal movement. You have uh, you have uh, Brandon, what's his name, Parham, who started the schools. And, and according to one story in 1901, on January 1st, 1901, you had the first woman speaking tongues. Yeah, she was the first woman to speak in tongues. And that ignited the fire. And 
And so his school in Kansas became the go-to place for persons who were seeking to experience this new phenomena of speaking in tongues. And, of course, as this happened, they would receive and they would go out back to whatever and they would teach this. So in 1896, you had two black preachers uh, from Arkansas who decided to explore. They they latched on to the teachings of holiness and sanctification, and one of them was Bishop Charles Mason, C.H. Mason, pastored in Arkansas, and came through to uh, Jackson, Mississippi. He and others, uh, C.P. Jones, they preached this holiness. It was new to them. And they preached it. It was shown by the black Baptists of the time. But they stood firm on holiness. And they preached and proclaimed it and founded the Church of God in Christ together. Uh, well, uh, Mason founded the Church of God in Christ. And then in 1906, Mason heard about what Seymour was doing. And he traveled from uh, Memphis, I believe it was. I could be mistaken, but he traveled from Memphis. He went to Los Angeles. And in his narrative, he says that he longed for it, and it seemed like like it was going to happen to him. And he he was getting dismayed because everybody else was receiving the Holy Spirit, and he had not received it. And eventually he did receive it, and he brought it back. To his 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 group and his dear friend and brother, many of them who had started out with him, uh, shunned him because of speaking the tongue. They 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 could accept the holiness and the sanctification, but that tongue thing they just couldn't do. And he led others to found the Church of God in Christ. And later on, because of racial divisiveness, that group split, and you had the Church of God in Christ, and later. Uh, the assemblies of God, but anyway, though, and those two are the broadest. You have the Pentecostal assemblies of the world, you have the Church of God in Christ, and you have the assemblies of God. These are the three powerhouses of Pentecost. The Pentecostal church movement. These are the three top, and there are plenty of others. And you know, it, it goes on. But these three organizations led to a and a, a resurgence in America of spirituality and um, and the church. It literally infused life back into the church, and it was it was phenomenal because these guys, you know, they brought life to dying areas because there were folk who would join the sanctified church. And they would be shunned by family members for joining the sanctified church. Yeah. But the sanctified church has made a comeback. The sanctified church has done something phenomenal that even the Roman Catholic church could not do. It has brought life into Christendom all around the world. You'll find various texts according You'll find various texts where um, where people who engage in this new movement found boldness that they never thought they could find. You're talking about people who you're talking about people hearing about the the gifts of the spirit for the first time, and they've got this excitement, and they believe whatever Jesus said regarding the spirit, and you got these. You know, in Appalachia and in that area, you have the snake handling Pentecostals. They believe that Jesus said in in Mark chapter eight, I mean chapter sixteen, everything that Jesus said was true. So they believe that they could take up a serpent, and even if it bit them, they wouldn't die from it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> they learned, and they're still, you know, they banned that in some countries. I mean, some in some states, uh, snake handling churches are banned, but they still kind of, you know, they in the backwoods. I've been to one, and I tell you, when, when the first time I went there, and I was with a friend of mine, and and 
this was in Louisiana, and, and I never thought what I was about to see would happen. You know, I was I was interested in the girl, and I went to the church because of the girl. I, you know, I was a preacher, but I was a little teenager. My hormones was running crazy, and I had to find a saved girl. I had to find the right girl. <laughs> anyway, so I visited this church, and it was an old-fashioned Pentecostal church, uh, apostolic, actually, old-fashioned apostolic, and I couldn't believe that, you know, these black people went to the, it was integrated too. It was an integrated apostolic church. And I was fascinated because I had never been to church with white folk before. Right. And so anyway, so it was segregated. The men sat on one side, the women sat on another side. Uh, and, you know, the children, the boys, men, you know, interacted together, the women and uh, the girls interacted together. And, you know, they, they would, they would just sing themselves up in the fervor. That was the first time I ever really saw a white person just turn red from singing. I mean, shouting and singing, they just turned red. And I'm like, oh, my God, it looks like they're going to burst the vein or something. Anyway, so the fervency in the service grows. And one of the men goes to the back and comes back with a box and, you know, and he holds the box up as they're dancing around. And all of a sudden, when he comes out with, you know, as he comes out holding the box up, they, they start shouting, hallelujah, they get louder and louder, you know, they're screaming and they're speaking in tongues. And then he's opened up, opens up the box while he dances. He's dancing around and pulls out this big snake. And now I'm like, oh, what the what? So he pulls out this big snake and he starts dancing around with the snake. And, you know, he, I don't know if, Kiss the snake. I don't know what he did, but I just remember him dancing around with the snake. And the more he dances, the the more they shout. Then he passes it to a lady, and she takes it and she dances with it, and and they shout and and then they come, you know, they pass it around. And I saw one of the uh, one of the black kids take it, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? But he, the black kid took it and. Uh, you know, dancing around with it, and then they he didn't hold it too long. And then eventually they put it back up, and you know, put it back in the box and left it alone. And I was like, "What in the world just happened?" That was my first experience with snake handling. So <laughs> I said all of that to say <laughs> I I would never bring a snake, a physical snake, in to New Bethel. <laughs> Or any church for that matter, but I I, I guarantee you there are plenty of snakes in there, plenty, probably plenty of snakes in every congregation we just don't know about. But anyway, the Pentecostal movement has infused life into uh, particularly American Christianity. When you think about it, when you look at the typical modern contemporary church service. You see the influence of the Pentecostal movement. Uh, the Pentecostal movement is responsible for the praise and worship team. The Pentecostal movement is responsible for many churches moving from hymns to praise and worship choruses. The Pentecostal movement is responsible largely for churches that did not have instruments, bringing in different instruments. Now, in the black community, it's a little different. You know, black churches, this is this has always been, you know, the black churches have always had some type of centricity. I don't even know if I said that word right. Always had in the black church a way of incorporating or integrating different things from different churches because my uncle pastored the Baptist church and my other uncle got saved in the church of God in Christ and ended up becoming a pastor in the church of God in Christ. And you see that, that, that tension. I'm not talking about my uncle, period. I'm just saying that's how a lot of families are. You know, you have a lot of families. They grow up in one particular denomination, denomination and they get saved in another denomination. And that 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 inter, interconnection there fuses into the way they worship. And back in the day, you know, uh, most churches that in most churches where the preacher may have, you know, met served 
pastor three or four or five churches. <laughs> and so one church would meet one Sunday, the other church would meet every two Sundays or something like that. So the members would, you know, they go back and forth. They, you know, they a, went different places. It took a time for that to happen. You know, some folk wouldn't go to the St. Church. <laughs> they were too scared to go. But anyway, the Pentecostal movement has really, really influenced the contemporary church more than we know. I look at, I look at um, services now in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, and I, I love the diversity of worship that we have in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. We have the, the hymn, we have a high service, you know, we have the hymn, the anthem, and then the chorale, you know, you, we have all of that. But then there are those services where you're just going to have a hymn and you're going to go straight to shouting. I remember, <laughs> I remember going to a church. Well, let, let me give my background, sir. I, I grew up in a traditional Baptist church where, you know, everything was just everything. You didn't, they didn't teach you on spiritual gifts or anything. So when I received the giftings of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and I, I, I spoke in tongues. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a joke when folks were telling me because we were, I sang in the community choir and we went out and to, i never forget, I was at West End Temple Church of God in Christ in Crossing, Arkansas, and where we went and we sang. And that's where I had divine utterance. Never forget that. It was a Saturday night. Never forget it. Matter of fact, it just happened to be the church where my uh, ex-wife's family, some members were, you know, uh, pastors, elders and members. Anyway, so got there. And there's a whole deep connection there. I, I can, I, y'all, I'm just bringing back so many. Anyway, anyway, so when they said that I was in front of the church speaking in tongues, I said, now y'all got to be kidding. I, I don't do that. That's Y'all do all of that. I'll shout. I'll dance. I don't mind doing all that. But that other stuff, I don't do. I said, no, you were doing it. I said, nah, not this boy. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. And then, you know, I had, I was like, I went home. And that night I was like, Lord, if, if, if I was really doing that, let me do it now. And then the utterance came again. I was like, okay, then. So from that, that jump started my, you know, that jump started my growth within the Pentecostal movement. I embraced it. I embraced the fact that I had this experience that, you know, I was like, I cannot contest it. And if I can't contest it, it must be from God. So I went forward from that. Uh, but as I grew and I matured, I began to see the outcursors of the sanctified folk, <laughs> the sanctified church infringing into the mainline church. You have a preacher in, in most black churches, you know, you, you always have those five preachers, but but then you have a preacher who would allow drums in the church or would allow people to clap their hands. And, you know, some, I went to a bougie church. We didn't clap too much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm lying. I'm lying. Give me God. But you begin to see different things like that. And then you had the birth of what is known as the charismatic renewal in the latter, in the mid part of the 20th century, you had mainline Protestant churches as well as Roman Catholic churches experiencing things that came from the Pentecostal movement. You had Roman Catholic churches where the spirit spiritual gifts were being displayed, manifested, where people and uh, clergy, priests, and laity alike were in tongues. And the, in the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church, it moved to the Episcopal Church. And then it moved from the Episcopal Church into the Presbyterian Church, and it moved from the Presbyterian Church into the Baptist Church. And the Methodist Church, and you saw these different expressions happening. One of our our senior bishop, as a matter of fact, Bishop John R. Bryant, 
who's the pastor of Jamal, who's the father of Pastor Jamal Bryant, uh, is known as the father of modern neo-Pentecostalism as a young pastor in, in on the East Coast, Cambridge, and later at uh, Bethel, Baltimore, and other places. He ushered in this new Pentecostal movement in the Methodist Church, the Black Methodist Church, a deeper, deeper spirituality that has been embraced and has, man, has changed the African Methodist Episcopal Church to some degree. And you have men like him who embraced it. You had others who fought against it and ended up embracing it. It was amazing. And then you come to um, what really, I believe, what really, really changed the modern church in, in, from the black perspective. What really changed it is when you had Bishop Paul Morton forming the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship. Now, when he formed that, you had, because I, I remember, I, I, I used to go to his church. I, I visited his church, and it was always a, a large membership. It, it's always been a large membership at Greater St. Stephen. But it, at the turn of the going into the early 90s, something shifted. You know, you saw, saw his ministry change a little bit. As his congregation grew to 12, 13, 14, 15,000, you know, he introduced something to black Baptists that changed basically the Baptist church as we know it. When he launched the full gospel Baptist church in the 20, in the, uh, what, 1992, um, it literally shifted dynamics in the Baptist church. <laughs> I'll never forget it. One Baptist youth encampment, uh, we were, we were discussing that and one preacher we were talking about the full gospel, and he said, well, I preach the full gospel. The full gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I said, yeah, but it also includes the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and you should, you should see manifestations of that, you know, and he and I went back at it. Again, you know, this guy had to be in his 30s or 40s, and I'm just, I'm, what, 15, 16, maybe, <laughs> but I have been, you know, Again, I have been affected by the Pentecostal movement, and that infused this new sense of life and all of that. And even today, we see it. We see it happening. There's very, there's a, a not many places you can go, not many churches that you want to attend, you know, uh, that you won't see the influence of the Pentecostal movement. Uh, even in our white churches, you know, in Southern Baptist churches, you'll see people lifting hands. That that came out of the Pentecostal movement. You'll see more displays of emotion. People are more free to cry, to let tears happen. For, people are more free to be emotional, to allow themselves to express their love for God and the love for the church and the ministry and all this stuff. And perhaps the biggest thing that came out of the, the um, Pentecostal movement is is the doctrine of healing, you know, the doctrine of faith, uh, the doctrine of wealth, doctrine of wealth manifestation, or whatever you want to call it. Now that's been detrimental, but that is also you also see that because the Pentecostal movement gave rise to the mega church as we know it today. And while you always had those main, you know, main street churches that were always that always had the large congregation, you know, you drive in any any town USA, you go downtown Main Street, you're gonna see the First Baptist Church, First Presbyterian Church, First First United Methodist Church, First Anglican Church, whatever. You, you know, you'll see all of that, and that those those were always there. But then when you started to see Blackberry Missionary Baptist Church. Grow from ten people to six thousand people. <laughs> Mulberry Grove Faith Baptist Church and all of that. It also gave rise to a lot of other things that you know we still wrestle with because it, 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 
in in the case most Pentecostal churches, most most of uh, the Pentecostal movement largely went unsupervised. We talked about the three main uh, movements, the Pentecostals, uh, which are basically United Pentecostal, United Pentecostal Church, the Pentecostal uh, United uh, PAW, Pentecostal Assemblies of the World, the Church of God in Christ, uh, and its counterpart, the Assembly of God. And those well organized and all that, but there are so many French movements that you you know you can't say, <laughs> and it gave birth to a lot of stuff. It gave birth again, as we said before, as at, at earlier that you know it was seeking to restore the first century church in the offices of the first century church: the pastor, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, right? And now we see we have more evangelists, uh, more especially more apostles and prophets than we care to count. The downside of it, but it spurred interest in the church. There have been a lot of documentaries uh, that have followed this movement, and this movement has given way to some great leaders. And what I really love, you know, you think about Oral Roberts, you think about. Um, who else? Um, uh, who was another one? D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, um, even though he really wasn't a Pentecostal, he, uh, uh, he spurred a lot of uh, future Pentecostal leaders. You had you know, so many that you can go, Or Roberts, uh, Catherine Kuhlman, and in modern day you have Benny Hinn, you had Miles Monroe, and, you, you know, so many, so many, so many I could name that could come to mind. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, uh, a, a lot of them. And Kenneth Copeland and those guys, they have their roots in that movement. And they have changed the way we do church. They've changed the way we market church. They've changed the way uh, we experience church. And so we look as, as Christians, we owe a lot to the Pentecostal movement, you know, even the French parts of it. We owe a lot to it. And I'm glad to have experienced what I have experienced. I think we need to be more cognizant that all of us need to have a Pentecost. All of us should have a Pentecostal movement in our personal spiritual life, Christian life. We need it. It's empowering. It's the means of grace that helps us be bolder witnesses for Christ. And while there are a few of the crazies out there, and you know, that's in every movement, Pentecostal movement has done a wonderful job, a great job, tremendous job in infusing life into the church. So I, I got to get out of here. Um, I want to take this time to invite you guys. If you're able, if you're in the Jackson metro area in Mississippi, I want to invite you to come out to New Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church Sunday, May the 22nd, 3 o'clock, for our family and friends day. You're well, welcome to come and join with us as we celebrate family and friends. We have a very great speaker, the Reverend Andrew Stamps of Bethel AME Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. And we're excited about that. So uh, tell your friends, tell your family, come on out. Jacks, Mississippi, we're ready for you. We're ready for you. Uh, we're looking forward to another wonderful time. And hopefully on Sunday you guys celebrate the gift of God on Pentecost. And if you have not been filled or saved, hey, do it. Seek the Lord. Get all that he has for you. You won't miss anything. I guarantee. I guarantee. But anyway, I got to get out of here. I appreciate you for tuning in another week uh, for Zero Today. And hopefully next week we have another exciting show for you that we can get and you enjoy. But until then, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I am out of here. You guys have a great Wednesday. Blessings.